All right. I've got a question. I've got a question. Uh, okay. Do you prefer that we say dick or cock? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I would prefer you say pee pee. Just say, pee-pee, to... <laughs> just say, uh, just say the, the no no zone or the. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of still at ding ding. We're you know? a bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or say it in Chinese if you really want to. <laughs> Welcome back to the Badass Asian Dudes podcast. This is Victor Ung, one of the co hosts of the show. And this episode is a special one because we brought on three sex and relationship coaches and trained therapists to talk about dating, sex, intimacy, and relationships for Asian men. This is a conversation I feel I really needed growing up, being in Asian culture where we don't really talk about sex or even mental and emotional well-being within it often at all, if any. So i um, super excited to share this episode as well with our moderators, Brandon and Sabo, on the call. This is a recording from the first Sex and Relationships Q&A panel that we had back in May of 2020. Forewarning, this episode is very explicit and will use some vulgar language as well. So definitely make sure you don't have any children that you don't want listening to this explicit language around you. And before we get into it, a quick shout out from our sponsors. Our first being from Burner Lab and their new vape pen, Alpha. If you're looking for a more reliable vape pen that's safer and discreet, go to BurnerLab.com. That's B-R-N-R-L-A-B.com. And enter the code BAD, B-A-D, at checkout to get 15% off. Our other sponsor is Neuro Mints and Gum. Refresh your state of mind with functional gum and mints that energize, calm, and focus you in the moment. Go to GetNero.com and enter BAD15 to get 15% off. Our last sponsor is the Emotion Dojo, a virtual gym membership for the heart and souls of Asian men. If you've had your mixed culture or toxic masculinity impact how you manage and communicate your emotions, whether as a leader in the workplace or as a partner in your relationship, join the brotherhood of growth-minded male-identifying Asians who are working on their emotional intelligence and fulfillment in life. This is not therapy, it's better. Learn more at bit.ly slash emotion dojo and enter the code BADASS to get a two-week free trial. With that, let's drop right in to the Sex and Relationships panel with our radical Asian practitioners now. Thank you very much for uh, attending the, the Badass Asian Dudes slash Radical Ad Asian Practitioners panel. Uh, we received everybody's questions. And uh, so I wanted to de- introduce myself because you may have not, we have, may not have met. Uh, I'm Brandon. Uh, Sable and I met and we did a podcast called the happy asian male podcast but we found badass asian dudes and then decided to combine forces and uh but mostly it's about these three wonderful practitioners kai dory and shosho are here tonight to answer burning questions that asian american men specifically asian american men have around sex and relationships and so we're going to be going through the questions we received in the order we received them and then 
we'll have them answer the questions and then we'll open up for comments and further questioning. Um, so that's why you guys are muted, not because we don't want to hear from you, but just to keep some order. So once we have a few words from Kai, Dory, and Shosho, then we'll start answering questions and then we'll uh, open the floor to any questions or comments. Without further ado, uh, let's go uh, in the order that I see, which is, uh, let's start with Kai. Oh no, okay. <laughs> I just noticed I'm a little nervous and I tend to like to go last, but I'm gonna just go first. My name is Kai Wu and I'm really excited to be here. Um, I just wanna say quickly that probably about three years ago, I decided that I wanted to prioritize Asian POC folks in my practice. And so to be here talking to you, um, Asian men, um, is just really, it's really great. And I'm delighted to be here. Um, and I can't wait to see how I can best support you in your questions. Um, yeah, and I'm in San Francisco. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Kai. Okay, so uh, I'm Shosho and um, I am also super excited to be here as well. And I wanted to first say that um, that in from my perspective, with my experience with my family, uh, my dad, my brother, my male cousins, I've seen a, a range of experiences with sex and relationships, and and not all of them have been good. And I think that a lot of it is because they didn't have access to the information that we're about to give you. So it's really important for me to hopefully, you know, save some pain, save some lives, uh, and give you some of the information that you need to make life easier for yourself around sex and relationships. Uh, I just want to start by, by giving you like three things that I hope that you can take away here and it may take a moment to, to go through this. But one is that you guys are super, super complex. We are kind of told that men are simple and the culture says that, um, women say that. And, and I think that in many cases, men really want to believe that. They, re they really want to believe they're simple. But that's not true. You guys are so complex and you're really nuanced and you're really sensitive. It is true for all human beings and it is also true for men. And being Asian in America adds another level of complexity to that, um, to that, to your already complex natures. Asian men are super smart, um, uh, incredibly uh, adept at learning things. So to me, Asian men are even more complex. Um, and I just want you to know that and not try to dumb yourselves down. So the second thing I want to say is that um, Asian men and, and women in families are created to be pleasers. Um, that's a big part of the, the culture and, uh, with, with loyalty. And um, we are often given the, this one tool whenever we want something, the tool of getting approval. And that is to be a pleaser. The problem with that is that we often have to obliterate ourselves in order to please others. And 
eventually what ends up happening is that we kind of get a little lost and can't find ourselves again. So hopefully this will be, you know, there'll be some pointers here that can help that. And then the third is that <clears throat> we're, we're all as Asians taught to be really good students, but this is more of a process of unlearning rather than learning more. So unlearning, your parents won't like it. So that's all I want to say right now. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Shosho. Uh, Sable says that was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Dory, let's uh, hear a little bit from you. Hi, I'm Dory. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I have a brother and he's an awesome dude and you are my people and that is why I want to be here. That's why I want to help you all as much as I can. And I totally agree with everything Shosho said. Um, I think uh, a lot about sex and relationships is unlearning because our culture is steeped in, um, in finance and war. And those things don't go well at all when it comes to relationships. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, and, and you'll hear more from each of these uh, wonderful women as we go through about uh, their experiences as sex and relationship coaches. Uh, but we did want to just dive right into the issues that we saw in the Google document. So anybody who filled out the question questionnaire, uh, we'd love, we're going to get through that as uh, best as we can. We also have never done this before. So if you feel like you want to have some input or just some suggestions, throw in the chat box. Um, and, oh, yeah, Marcus, I'm glad that you feel that it's deeply familiar and comforting a little bit. And. Uh, but we will actually ask the questions as if, you know, we're asking them on your behalf. So, but if I misinterpret it or anything, please just step right in. I'm not, you know, attached to being right. I used to be, but um, not, not today. So let's see, why don't we go through uh, some of the categories, which were the number one struggles when it comes to sex, love, and relationships. And then I'll follow that with a question. So of course, the first uh, struggle is relationships. And the question that came up for the coaches is, all the questions are good, by the way. Uh, none of them are silly. I just want to acknowledge that. But the first question is, what is the most important thing to consider when helping your partner achieve an orgasm? I can start. Um, there's more questions. That question brings up questions for me. Number one is, does she want your help? That's very important. Um, I'll speak from my own experience. I have a hard time having orgasms with penis and vagina sex. I am somebody who uses a vibrator for most of my orgasms and I don't really need a lot of help from my partner. Um, but it doesn't mean that we are not connected. I need to be connected to him. And you know, so it, he needs to be by me, beside me and encouraging me and then it happens. So that's one aspect to think about. Um, the other aspect is who is she having the orgasm for? Are you wanting her to have it for you? Because she needs to have it for herself. And so that's, that's big, you know, that, ask her that and, and let her tell you that. And if she does in the end want your help, then the biggest thing you need to do is not pressure her in any way. She needs to feel super, super comfortable and at ease. And so 
whatever you can do to encourage that, like even smoke a little pot because <laughs> um, that really works for me. <laughs> um, so those are the things I wanted to say and I'll let Shosho and Kai add to that. You want to say it? Go ahead, Kai. Well, first of all, I think I want to say that I love that you care and that you want to help. I think like, yay for men who really care about women's pleasure. That's really wonderful. Um, more of that. And I think it's complicated. Uh, you know, I've, I've been trained as a sexological body worker. And so I've gotten to know and work with bodies very intimately. And, um, and I'm sure that Dory and Shosho can attest, you know, when, when women come to see somebody like us, you know, it's usually sort of, you know, in my experience, most of the women who come to see somebody like us um, they're kind of like more relationship oriented. So it goes something like this. Can you help me figure out the sex thing because I want to get married and start my family? Or can you help me figure out the sex thing because I'm afraid my partner is going to leave me? And so, I don't know. There's something about, you know, sex is really important to me. I, you know, I, I do my work around sexuality. Um, but I'm not sure that many women feel the same way. And, uh, you know, the, the number two, I, like the two main reasons that I see women come in, it's low libido or inability to have an orgasm or they've never had an orgasm. So um, I think what I want to say is a lot of sex that I think heterosexual women are having is very sort of male centric. Mm. And that's why it's like when a woman comes in and says, I don't feel my libido, I have low libido. It's not, I believe her, she does have low libido, but I, I don't think that she's inherently, I, I don't think inherently she has low libido. She may just not be enjoying the sex she's having. And so, you know, yes, follow that urge or that, you know, desire to please your partner and then get curious about like, oh, what would, what would sex that she enjoys look like? Right. And oftentimes people will like think, they think like, oh, Kai's just going to teach me the technique and then I'll just do that and it'll be great. But it's not so much about the technique. Um, and I would just get really curious, you know, because, um, you know, in my experience, when I work with women, Different women have different formulas to what's going to get her off, what's going to turn her on. And then that formula changes from day to day, depending on what happened that day, who she talked to, the time of the month, you know. And so it's just good to, you know, create, you know, just be curious. Ask her, what, what do you think you might enjoy? And sometimes women might not know, right? So like, for example, a lot of the work that I do with women is what I call like menu population okay, what are the things that you could possibly try? And then they try them and then they see like, okay, then they figure out what the right formula for them is, right? What the right meal from the menu is for them. And that can change from day to day. And so again, I would encourage you to be curious and to ask, but it's good to know that it's like, oh yeah, it differs from woman to woman. And that formula changes from day to day. And I, like Dory, I have a hard time 
having an orgasm too. And even though I'm a professional and I've had a lot of experience, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know what I want. Or like it, something short circuits and it's like, oh, it's kind of hard to get there. And sometimes I just need a moment. So curiosity. Curiosity is a really wonderful place to start. Mm. Thank you. Um, okay, to that question, I would like to say, uh, don't, don't own her orgasm. Um, she's going to be better at it than you are. Always. <gasps> what? It's true. Okay. That's true. She's going to be better at her own orgasm. And so <clears throat> what you can do to help her have her orgasm is to create space for her to have it. Uh, and how do you create space then for someone to have their orgasm? This is sort of the, the just get out of the way school <laughs> of, of orgasms. And it's like, it's kind of like you, you create space by you focusing on yourself. Okay. I know you guys have probably heard the opposite. Um, that you're supposed to like totally focus on the, the, on your partner, but that, can have the opposite effect of making her feel totally self-conscious, you know? Um, like, am I pretty enough? Am I fat enough? Is the lighting right? All these kinds of things. So, so if you can focus on yourself, that is like pull your energy away from her and put it within yourself. Focus on your body and your experience and just tracking yourself, like attune to yourself so that you give her space to attune to herself. You, you're both going to have more space. And in order to, to like be on the same page about this, you can have a conversation about it. Like, how about, I've noticed that, that I'm helping you with your orgasms a lot and I'm actually not doing a very good job because you're not having them. So why don't we try a different thing? Let's, why don't I, I do me and then you do you and, and I just want to create a whole lot of room for you to do whatever you need to have your orgasm. And I don't want you to feel self-conscious about it or worry about, you know, how you look and your face, because really all I want for you is your pleasure. And sometimes I think maybe it's better if I get out of the way for you to have it. So that's, that's another approach. Just remember, don't own it for her. It belongs to her. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's great that you're, you're uh, talking about this because that is actually our second question, which means that it is something that people are not just wondering about in isolation. So it sounds like being curious, also leaving your partner to their own orgasm, letting them be responsible, and ultimately just asking questions um, about yourself and about the other person. Does that sound... Uh, so? That was the second question, and uh, one of the other struggles um, was getting into the serious relationship stage, progressing beyond casual. Um, actually, that's unrelated to the question. So, sorry, I might back up a little bit. Uh, the next struggle actually is related to masturbation and erectile dysfunction. Oh, this one's going to be good. Uh, so... The, the struggle is erectile dysfunction. And the question for the coaches is, does masturbating to porn affect my sex drive? Okay. Well, let me, I, I will try that one. Um, I would say that, that yes, of course, of course, porn is going to affect your sex drive, but maybe not in the way that you think it is. 
um, that in in porn, why why people watch it is that is that you get you get the perfect sexual experience every time. You go, you just like fast forward to exactly what you want, and you get the the thing in the exact way, and you get to just uh, have that total satisfaction and then leave. Right. So so you're not going to necessarily get that in real life, and you're not going to get that all the time. And so um, it is going to affect your sex sex drive. But what it doesn't necessarily satisfy is your connection drive, right? Like, like we may need the release from sex. Our bodies may need that, but the rest of us, our spirits, our, our hearts, our minds might need connection and you're just never going to get that from, from the computer screen. So it is, it is related. Hmm. Good segue into bringing connection into the picture, like needing that. So I appreciate that. Go ahead, Kai. Yeah, I would love to add um, add, add my uh, perspective on this because I've worked uh, extensively with ED. And um, one of the things, so porn is great and depending. And I want to say that porn should be something like junk food like pizza and hamburgers and fries you want to have it every so often but you probably don't want to have it as like your main meal a lot of the time and the reason you may want to consider like you know the intake of porn is because porn is a visual thing that's happening over there and what happens is um especially now because we have high-speed internet. I'm 48, and I remember when you would have to like go somewhere and rent a videotape and stuff, <laughs> right? So things are much slower, but now like you can like fast forward and or keep looking for the thing that's going to give you exactly the thing that you want, like Shosha was saying. And what happens is things are moving really quickly, and you get turned on really quickly. You can get really turned on really fast. And what happens under those conditions is that you start to bypass your body's natural arousal process. And then you kind of get focused on the thing that's happening there. And then you sort of disassociate from your own body. And then that the physical arousal starts to sort of um, atrophy. And so what do I mean by this? I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I have. I'm totally going to out myself. Uh, sometimes you're just on the computer for a long time and you're watching porn. And then suddenly you're like, oh my God, an hour has passed and you move and you're like, oh my God, right? <laughs> like your body's like, oh my God, right? You don't even notice that you've been sort of frozen in this one place. And this is what I mean about like you just disassociate from your body and you disconnect from your body's natural arousal process and you get really focused on just the visual thing. And so, um, you know, for us to be running on all cylinders, we want to be, yes, connected to the thing that turns us on mentally, um, visually, but also physically. And the thing about porn is that sometimes we lose that physical connection to our arousal. There's quite a few men who are experiencing um, erectile challenges because of porn. And the other reason is because women don't look like that or they're not doing exactly that. And suddenly they're like, oh, well, this is not the exact thing. I can't like exactly what Shosho was saying, like, oh, it's not quite like that. And so, yeah, it's a process of sort of giving your body, allowing your body and yourself to figure out, oh, yeah, what is the thing that arouses me physically? 
And then can I slow down enough to let that happen? Hmm. Uh, I love porn. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I do too. And I will just add, I think Kai and uh, Shosho covered it, but I'll add that not only are you looking at women who are not real women, you know, I mean, they're real women, but they're not having a real experience. They are having a scripted, acted out experience. And you're seeing that, but you're also seeing men who are having that scripted, acted out experience. And, and you are setting yourself up quite possibly for feeling as though you can't achieve that yourself. You know, you're doing a little mind fuck to yourself <laughs> instead of recognizing that when you connect with a real person in a real sexual relationship, there's a certain amount of awkwardness in the beginning. And you have to be willing to tolerate that awkwardness. And this is something I work on with, especially my male clients all the time. I encourage them to rock their awkwardness <laughs> because Awkwardness can be super charming and goofy. And, and if you approach it from that perspective, instead of like, I need to look like this porn dude, you know, that's rock hard all the time, every minute, it's, you're setting yourself up. That, that's what I would encourage you to recognize for your own experience. So you're saying go with the rockwardness. <laughs> yeah. And I want to say really quickly, because I know people who are adult performers, uh, most men are, are taking medicine in order to maintain the, that level of erection. And also, of course, they choose people with certain body types and or body parts that look a certain way, right? So a lot of times men will have a lot of shame around their size or erection because they're comparing themselves to the men that they see on screens. And, and that there's oh, also a lot of... Um, there's a lot of connection possible in awkwardness. Mm -hmm. there, it's, it's opportunities to laugh together, opportunities to, to make a memory together. If you can kind of um, just, just go with it and include her in the awkwardness. Uh, yeah, so Akiba commented that tristlingly uncomfortable in this conversation and starting to wonder why I feel the discomfort. I do think Chinese culture kind of dismisses or discourages sexuality and sex talk rather than encouraging it. Very Asian thing, I think. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of, you know, add that in because there, there are many layers of shame. That's the concept that it really boils down to. Uh, but we're trying to uncover that. So we're trying to do away with a lot of the shame that comes with talking about this. So uh, Doug said, yeah, we're all in here. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to uncover that. So um, actually, Marcus, I did want to open up the floor to you because I do want to talk to people who are live here rather than just read off of a document. Sure. Hey, thanks, hey, everybody. I'm Marcus. I'm calling from uh, Alberta, Canada. And uh, it's nice to be here with a bunch of you and first of all, it's great to just like, this is a new experience when we're talking to Asian people about sex. <laughs> and I wanted to say, actually, in my experience of watching porn is very fast. I usually like a minute. And it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> I don't know about, maybe that's a guy thing, right? But, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I want to give a shout out to our ancient ancestors who understood something about energy, energy cultivation, which is like my my dad is always like trying to get me to save money and I realize he's trying to teach me energy cultivation don't waste your energy but it's kind of this distorted version because it's kind of 
translates into being cheap and stingy if you but but the essence i realize that it's the same but just got lost a little bit anyways i'm just excited to talk so i'll get to my question um so my question is uh the other day i was listening to jack uh, to zach uh, Hing on youtube and he was talking about how you know as an asian man his father never taught him anything about sex i remember once my dad found one of my my um my, my pornographic magazines after a trip and it fell out of my pillow and he looked at it and he looked at me and he didn't know what to do and then he just walked away <laughs> i was like i was like in junior high um but my mom and all my mom ever really taught me was don't fool around with uh you know women and get them pregnant because you know my father had uh, my father's side of the family had experience of uh, of having mistresses and things and she was very that was like a very cutting thing for her and she'd often give me that advice in front of my father um kind of to shame him a little bit so i guess what i'm wondering you know being this really kind of um this a healthy container with people uh and and healthy you know paternal you know uh role models if you will or like clan mothers <laughs> is that you know what what advice or what would be like the first teaching that you could give to me as like a as an asian man who never really got any sex teachings from and and, I, and now i realize how much pressure and that i've tried to get it right and learn and don't be like that and be like this and... hmm. that's a big question well, we can let them kind of simmer on that one because yeah. that definitely is a big one. Uh, but we are answering some of them. So I think that, thank you for bringing that up, Mark. Uh, Thanks, just at Brandon. least naming the the thing that we're all trying to get at is yeah, making yeah. up for a lot of lost time of not having had any conversation. So, you know, I'm just glad, you know, this isn't like a, like a Chinese restaurant where there's just a shouting match. It's actually very civil. And people are having a discussion, so this is intensely nuts for me. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll 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 have them kind of simmer on that question. And can we'll we bring that up, Brandon? Can we can we bring up Marcus's question again at the, you know, like 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 at least before we're we're done done with our session, so that we can answer it. Absolutely not. We're burying this in shame. We cannot talk. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course we can. Yes. And at any time in the discussion, it feels organic, please, you know, weave it in. I'm totally open to that. So, uh, you know, I have, I have some thoughts right off the bat and that is hmm. number one, I'm so sad that your dad didn't take the great opportunity, you know, that he had with you to like see the magazine and then set you down and say, Hey, do you have any questions or, you know, whatever, but it's, it's too bad that he didn't take the opportunity. And I think that is key as a parent. I'm not a parent. I have a lot of um, non-bio kids in my life and I talk to them all about sex because I'm not their parent because, you know, they don't want to talk to their parents about it, even though I know that their parents would agree with the things I'm telling them. So um, anyway, uh, the other thought I had about it was that is how I've approached it with kids is, um, making a lot of space, you know, and at certain ages, telling them what they can understand, starting from when they're really little and explaining like how you came to be, you know, your mom and dad really loved each other. And this is what we did. We united and we created you. And then working from there, you know, to explain like the story, make it a story, a story about, you know, how things come to be. And so, um, I also agree, this is what we're doing right here. And also to Akiba, like, it's great that you're here because you're 
getting exposure therapy. And to a certain degree, that's what's helpful. I think when we talk about these taboo subjects, exposure, exposure, exposure. I know for me, that's been really helpful to be like in a room full of people and hear somebody say like cock or blowjob, you know, and it's just, you, you become a little less sensitive and you become uh, more aware and more at ease with talking about these difficult topics. Mm. Thank you, Dory. Exposure therapy, y'all. I I also want to say it's not too late. No. It's like I had to learn late also. So we can give ourselves the thing that we didn't get. Right. And, um, and I want to say the shame thing. It's so, I I love that you're talking about it, Akiba, because it's like, it's so, um, it's so tricky. It, it comes up even in like unconscious ways. And before we even feel it, we want to like crush it down. And I want to say that, like it took me three years to get my website up. I was in practice for three years before I actually got my website up. And it was because, and I didn't even realize, and by that time I'd done a lot of work. I didn't realize until I was working on my bio and I had my picture and my bio. And then I realized like, <gasps> my picture is going to be next to a bunch of words around sex. And then I felt my face go red and hot. And then I realized like, oh my God, I'm afraid that it's going to go out there and it's, I can never take it back. So that shame thing is super intense and yes, talking about it helps and normalizing it. And, and like what Dory said, which is like getting used to working through it makes it easier and easier. Um, so I do have kids. I've got two kids, uh, but they're both girls. But the, I think that the process is still the same of talking to them about sex. And the way I try to approach it with them is that I want, it, I want them to know themselves. You know, know yourself. Know yourself through and through. Know what you like. Know what your body does. Know what is, what is hard about you and what is good about you. Just knowing knowing who you are sexually is so reassuring to a woman who's also going to be scared and maybe she's not going to know a whole lot too and what we do is is we are often like the blind leading the blind where women are like well you know you're a dude you're supposed to you're supposed to be the one in charge and the dominant one and know what to do so go ahead and tell me all about my body and the guys like well i don't know shit about your body and i don't even barely know my body so how am I going to tell you? But then everybody's acting. Everybody's acting like they know what they're doing. And then inevitably something goes wrong and nobody knows how to recover from it. And, and it's, you know, terribly awkward. So, so I think for, for a man and also for a woman, know yourself very well, even, even if even know what you don't know. So you can be able to say that to somebody without shame because it's okay to not know things. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, unspoken pressure for guys to know things that they are they don't know, especially around dating. So I'm glad that you know, you're clearing the air on that and relieving a lot of guys of pressure of having to know something that they don't know. In, in an ideal world, like our, our, you know, like for men, your dads would be the ones telling you about it. And they haven't because maybe they didn't know themselves. And for women, their moms should be telling, telling them. But 
their moms don't know anything either. And so, so where are we going to get this information? I do want to say that if uh, we can trace back, I've done some homework on this particular topic uh, about it missed information and <clears throat> opportunities with fathers. And I think it has a lot to do with the immigration of Chinese and American Asians to America during the gold rush, where a lot of the wives and women were left behind and the family unit was not transferred over properly into this context. So a lot of the um, duality of man-woman man, knowledge did not get passed on. And a lot of men had to rely on prostitution and gambling to uh, fulfill these basic drives of connection. So imagine that for like a hundred, uh, continuing on as a heritage and as a practice that, and then, you know, combine that with systemic racism there, there's a lot of reasons why we didn't talk about these things because trauma blocks a lot of this. So I do want to say to any young man or older man wondering about this, it's not that their father didn't want to, he didn't know how even to explain it to himself. I will turn that back to the, the coaches. Sorry, I didn't want, I just wanted to kind of name that because. That was good. A cultural context, the cultural trauma is a really important piece. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah, Nick said that we can, maybe we can be the ones to break that chain. So, um, I mean, we'll, we'll dive into all that stuff, but let's actually talk about a lighter subject because this question really is a good one. Uh, how can I shoot bigger loads? Drink water. <laughs> Response time, 10. That's edging, um, edging, holding back, masturbating less. Uh, I just want to know why you want to shoot a big load. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I don't know any woman who is like, oh God, my dudes shoot such a big load. You know? <laughs> so, true. so just to point out, it, that might be about you and that's okay if it's about you, but just from the female's perspective. Yeah, you know, like, like women are more like, that's a huge mess. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would imagine that, that that's a porn thing and, you know, uh, you want to look like a Roman fountain. That's, that's great too. Just have your camera out. <laughs> Akiba asked, doesn't shooting a big load mainly mean that you're more virile, able to get a woman pregnant more easily? <laughs> no. no, because if you get your sperm tested, it, I mean, volume is important, but that's not the only that's not the only factor. Some women really like the cum and some women are like, oh, I'm going to delight because you're so delighted at it. And some people are like, oh my God, what a mess. But, but it could be a, a, a kink. Like some people get super turned on by buckets of cum. And, um, you know, that's cool. Just, you know, clean it <laughs> yourself and don't make her clean it. <laughs> Shout out to Kleenex. I, I will say I... I'm not the kind of woman who likes tons of cum, but I do like cum. I like, you know, feeling it on my skin, rubbing it on my body. That's really nice. But what I want to say is don't use your ability to come massively as an indicator of anything, really, because it's the same thing of like thinking that your dick has to be hard all the time. It has to be rock hard on command all the time. 
and and that if it's not that means something about you because it doesn't and it's the same thing with like all women have to be wet at, you know as soon as to show that they're turned on by their by their partner and that's all just bullshit <laughs> and there are ways around all of those things and really the only time that all those things happen like you're rock hard all the time and the pussy's wet all the time is when you're teenagers <laughs> maybe when you're in your 20s i'm 54 going on 55 so that doesn't happen all the time for me it doesn't happen for my partners all the time and being okay with that recognizing that it doesn't say anything about me that my pussy's not wet it doesn't mean that i don't love my partner and that i'm not super turned on by him and the fact that my partner doesn't have a rock hard dick right away doesn't mean that they are not turned on by me that that's a big thing that i work with my clients all the time to get over like put those things aside really drill that into your head if you can and it's also not an indication of really really great sex mm -mm. and and like if you can put like that the energy of of coming a lot into just taking just taking that same amount of pleasure in your partner or in yourself or in the experience you don't have to shoot a huge load you know like like the load that you're shooting is is a, is something else it's like something deeper and it can be shared like you, it, it can't be shared you know a, a load of cum can't really be shared not I with that attitude can. i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I do. I do want to take a quick pause and see if there's anybody in the audience or and the talk who just has any questions or any anything that they just want to bring up on that's sort of related to what we've talked about so far. I see you unmuted, Nick. Yeah. Sure. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks all uh, for coming on, making this panel happen. I think this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. I'm able to talk in a group setting uh, that feels safe to ask some major questions like. That I've had. So, um, one thing I found in my sexual uh, life is that um, I have a hard time reaching orgasm. And in my experience, whenever I ask my partners if they run into other guys who are like that, they've uniformly told me no, that I'm the first guy they run into that. So, maybe my question is along the lines of Is there a problem you've seen in guys, guys who have a hard time reaching orgasm? And if so, how can, well, what can they do about that too? I, I suppose it might be related to the female orgasm question in many ways, right? But yeah. Thanks, Nick. I'm happy to answer that. Um, so I've, I've worked with a lot of performance um, challenges and um, probably PE and ED are a, like a lot more common. Delayed ejaculation is not as common. And um, I want to say, at just like erectile challenges, uh, delayed ejaculation is sort of like, um, it's, it's, there's a slight mystery to it. And it really takes somebody, like it takes uh, somebody, and you can do it yourself, but um, you have to figure out exactly like, oh yeah, why is that happening, right? And also, this is really important because I know sometimes people are like, oh yeah, I have premature ejaculation and they think like, oh, I should be lasting longer. And I think like, oh yeah, premature ejaculation. Great. How long are you lasting? And they're like 10 minutes. And I'm like, I don't think that's premature ejaculation. So I guess my, my other question is like, well, how delayed so is it exactly? I'm, right. So I'm talking like maintaining erection, vaginal penetration, good sex. Like we we're both enjoying it. Sometimes my partner is orgasming through yeah. that for an hour more. 
and still not having me ejaculate. So like it's at, like at a point where like my normal uh, thing I have to go through in my love life a lot is I wear out the women I'm with and they feel like uh, their vaginal linings are like tearing apart and like they can't handle that over length of time, even if they are wet through the experience. So um, that's a lot of where I'm coming from on this. Like it wouldn't matter to me, I think, except that most of the women I've been with feel some sort of way about me not ejaculating. And I don't want to be causing my female partner's pain in sex, right? So that's a lot of what's motivating this question. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, I think like some women are like, oh, he didn't come. He must not be attracted to me or he's not really into this thing. Um, yeah. That may be hard. That's definitely not how I feel, but you Just know, it's hard. Yeah. Women like the come as proof yeah. that he likes me. He's attracted to me. Um, my curiosity is, um, are you enjoying the kind of sex that you're having? Um, sometimes it's, um, my experience is sometimes men, so for example, I've worked with men who are like, they, they were told like, hey, don't get a girl pregnant, don't get a girl pregnant. And so like coming is hard for them, right? So mm. my curiosity is like, yeah, are you enjoying the sex that you're having? Do you feel relaxed enough, right? Because the thing about and women, I think this is true for women too. Like, yes, you want to build the tension, but you also want to be able to surrender and let it happen. So my, my curiosity is around like more what is happening in your body, you know, how yeah. safe do you feel? Do you like the person that you're with? Um, I, it might, my punch right now is questions, you know, like I said, it's like a yeah. mystery and I would, yeah. 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 Maybe we can follow up later at a different point, but I think my hunch right now is that um, I am, I tend to be on like, like, like body size. I'm like a 200 pound guy. So I'm on the big side. I tend to be with smaller partners and I've always been like worried. I'm like going to crush them or like, you know, like there's this like worry about how they're feeling. And I think that often is what's going on in my mind. So I can't really focus on my pleasure as much. So it, like I have this thing where a lot of times people tell me women are like this or men like this, but I often experience like a lot of what people who say for women, like in this case, like people say something along the lines of like women experiencing this way. They're like, that's how I feel during sex sometimes. Right. So in this case, that's one of the things where it's like, as a guy, I still feel worried about how my partner's feeling. And that sometimes gets in the way of my orgasms. I think that's what's happening. And then like, I think the answer I'm coming to is something along the lines of like letting my partner tell me when that sort of thing is happening and not trying to use my intuition all the time around that and letting myself enjoy it more. Um, and I think that's the answer I'm starting to, uh, starting to lean towards. Yeah. Can I, can I jump in? Uh, I had a partner who uh, was, had delayed ejaculation as well. And, um, and so, so I, well, you know, a question that for you though is, do you experience that during masturbation? No, definitely not. Yeah. Okay. So, so it is, it's, it's likely psychological uh, and uh, kind of related to like, like my partner who had this, um, uh, a kind of difficulty in surrendering psychologically to an experience. And, you know, the, the worry that, that you're feeling, of course, is going to kind of cut the, the, the connection that you're having between you and your dick. It's going to interrupt the, the pleasure circuit happening. Yeah, so uh, not uh, the problem solver in me is coming up, which I try to avoid most of the time in these situations. But just you know, if if you can reach orgasm when masturbating, is that something that you feel comfortable? Like I'm envisioning, you know, a couple of different things, like having her be on top if she's willing, because 
a lot of women really love that. I love that. I love being on top. And that way, you know that, you know, she's kind of controlling things. So you don't have to worry so much about you crushing her because you're, you know, big. And then let her get to the point where she feels good and then has whatever orgasm she wants to. And then you go ahead and masturbate. And that that can be super vulnerable. So it might not be the easiest thing. I know uh, one of my partners, I'm like the first woman that wanted to see him masturbate. It was really hard for him to do that in front of me. And I had to really go slow and encourage that and let him know how much I really wanted it and how I was okay with, you know, taking the time to make it happen. And even like, it didn't have to happen. That, that was the bottom line. But um, just, you know, throwing those two things out as possible options. And, and you know, turning her around so you don't have to look at her. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and just so you can just focus on yourself. Like, really, it goes back to that mm-hmm. thing I was saying is that, is that you do you. You know, it's not like you're not caring about, about your partner. But you also need to focus on yourself because, because if we get our lines crossed like that, then, then nobody has the kind of fun. And, you know, maybe at least one person should walk away from that experience having like 100% fun. That, that's like the ultimate Zen Cohen. <laughs> do it with another person, but you're doing yourself. Thanks all. I think that helps me think about this some more. Yeah. Well, let, let that, we'll let that simmer a little bit, Nick. Um, and then we'll cut, circle back if you have anything else to add. Um, but actually, Doug wanted to uh, say something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I just like... I could relate to what Nick was saying. I was going to ask him a personal question, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't have to answer it. And I was going to ask if he was circumcised or not. Cause I had issues up before where I associate sex with like pain because I would actually experience pain. And then I realized that I just had to get used to it because if you've been, if you've been choking a chicken a certain way, you're used to only getting off that way. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same as having like sexual intercourse. And so like, you know, like I would have that issue, you know, but I mean, now I don't have the issue because I understood it. Like, but yeah, I think that can play a role. I mean, you might, I don't know if you experience pain, maybe that's this TMI or that's not my business, obviously, but uh, um, I mean, I am circumcised and I think, uh, definitely, I think, okay. uh, originally like bad problem that I was dealing with was not, I don't know if it was a porn that's addiction, but it was definitely like yeah. I was masturbating. It was, I've read that. Like if you are circumcised, you tend to be less sensitive because you have yes. uh, less sensitive at the top of uh, the, uh, right. the head of the penis. So I feel like that might be what's part of the problem. Like I'm less sensitized in that way. Um, and yeah, I think uh, over a lot of masturbation was originally a problem that like, as soon as I started reading into this, that was like the first course of action. I was like, well, I got to do something about like my masturbation patterns, like give this a chance. So I think it's gotten better, by the way, guys. Like, like it's not at, when it was this was three or four years ago. I would never orgasm during sex. It was actually like like once a year or so I would like do it. But I feel like uh, these days it's more like hit or miss, maybe fifty fifty chance that like in a like a when a session like that sort of uh, orgasm will occur. I think like I'm slowly moving in the right direction here. Um, yeah, but I also feel like it's one of the things if I think too hard about it and I'm like, oh, I really want to make sure I come this time. That's when it's really not going to happen because I'm thinking about the performance of coming as opposed to just enjoying the moment like you guys are saying, right? So I'm curious, is like the coming more intense with masturbation or with a partner? I think it's definitely much more enjoyable and intense with a partner Uh, by myself. I'm like, you guys were saying like half a minute to a minute. I can come really quickly at masturbation with porn. That's like a super fast thing. 
but it, I, it, like, it, no matter what the sensation is, it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel as satisfying as I think like it with a partner. Yeah, I mean, porn will fuck you up because I remember. I mean, I don't like watch it as much as I, I would know other people that do that are like straight up just porn addicts. And like, I hooked up with a chick one night, and it's like. I didn't realize until then that I'm like, man, this shit fucked me up. <laughs> you know what I'm, saying? I'm, like, I'm sorry, excuse my accent. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I, I grew up. I, I, I don't. I don't mean to go a little bit off topic. I grew up in uh, in Alabama most of my life, so I didn't grow up around any Asians. So Ooh. I never, I've never even been with an Asian woman, to be quite honest. Uh, so like, I'm assuming you're. I'm not saying that like other women are different biologically. I mean, but, but you get what I'm saying? I don't like relate to the whole, I guess, you know, yellow love. I don't know, whatever you would call it. <laughs> I'm saying I don't really fully relate to it. Like it's, it's different for me. No, thank that. Thank you so much for sharing, Doug. And that's, that's awesome that you had such a different experience than a lot of uh, other Asian guys. Just, I mean, and thank you for just sharing period. Appreciate that. And that's probably the first time I've heard three dudes practically talk about masturbation in a non-shameful way, except, you know, I'm just beating my meat. Great. It's like you, you were vulnerable. So I do want to congratulate and say, bravo guys. Cause that's next level shit. That's like, that's what we're talking about where you feel safe enough to talk about something like that. So bravo. Uh, uh, Delot said, uh, coming at the same time matters or no, no, no. <laughs> and then that's a movie myth. It's know? nice when it happens, but yeah. orgasms are great no matter when. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I guess that's a, the, the, the right answer, right? It's anytime. Uh, Marcus, did you want to jump in again? Um, yeah, actually it was more just of a comment and the comment was what I'm noticing that's very distinct about in and like the opening of a door uh, uh, to a specific, to like a particular kind of needed healing in my life is that I'm sitting here with um, other men uh, talking to women, uh, admitting uh, or being okay that they've got sexual hangups. Uh, whereas often I'll talk to some other men, I'll talk to some of my white friends. I'm like, okay, so tell me about this part. And so you can go for two hours and like, you know, I'll be kind of like the big brother, little brother kind of thing. And, and so, and, and I've, I've got other men, male friends that I can talk to um, that, you know, that, you know, we can express our hangups, but then expressing those hangups around women and, and men, that, that's just like a whole kind of disarming that realizes how much like posturing and how much internal internal uh, grappling that's going on in my experience, especially if I'm around certain men who maybe hold a certain kind of a sexual uh, whatever. They just have like some men just exude their sexuality different. I, I tend to kind of stuff mine away um, to help. Uh, so yeah, that's just I'm just, I just want to I just want to put a, shine a light on that, and that that's that's a very um, that's um that's a that's a pinnacle feeling for me here tonight. So thanks everybody. Thanks for oh. saying that, Marcus. I, I, I just wanted to to uh to say that it, it is hard to figure this stuff out alone. And I think that that's how a lot of men um try to go about it because of the shame thing to revisit that topic. And that 
um, when you when you have some some guidance, you know, like we're all we're all coaches for a reason because it's hard to to walk this path alone and to, and to understand yourself and to go into shame. Like like we all want to totally avoid shame all the time. It's so unpleasant, and so we need help to to go in and look at look at what's under there because. There's so much energy that it's, that gets locked up in your shame, and if you can open that energy and free it, you can use all that energy for good things instead of getting stuck in it and hiding. And then you can add your erotic energy and have that support that. So it's like double whammy. You know, I, I did want to just acknowledge Marcus for for saying that. You know, um, when we set this up, this is actually something Brandon and I talked about for a very long time, and Finally, we put this together. And quite honestly, I mean, we weren't too sure what to expect. But, you know, when you kind of measure the KPIs for like what success should be, I was just really hoping like we could really affect and change or affect one person, you know, and, and you speaking out like that makes us feel really good. And, you know, secondly is, you know, um, we're all in a quarantine. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is like, I, I, I really believe like we wouldn't have thought about doing it this way had it not been for the quarantine and people's willingness to show up like this. So I appreciate you showing up and everyone for showing up and, and asking the questions that you did and being vulnerable in front of each other. So I just wanted to, you know, say thanks to all the practitioners that showed up as well. And we're not ending. I just wanted to acknowledge you right now, Marcus, <laughs> for, for speaking up like that. Thanks, Sable. I'll just give a quick response to that. And um, I think, it, you know, to add to that distinction, absolutely, it's helping me. The distinction, I mean, through my words, I may portray it on this like total kindergartner, which in some sense is true and not true. I mean, I've had lots of partners. Uh, I haven't had uh, sex in a long time, um, but I've been exploring these issues by myself for a long time. And it's not like I haven't had any sexual relationships. But what I'm noticing here is the, where, where, how I actually feel and where I pretend to be. And that's like a new, that's like, that's suddenly becoming very aware of this kind of posturing that happens through performance pressure and the need to please and to, and how, you know, naturally one might build their self-worth around their, their, um, their ability to, uh, how they, how they feel they might stack up, you know, um, sexually. So yeah, thanks Abel. And thanks Brandon. And thanks everybody. If we posture for each other, we will certainly do it for the women we're trying to attract. So, <laughs> I got something to say. Like, um, I didn't realize that it was a cultural thing growing up because, uh, like, like y'all said, my, my my parents never had the sex talk with me. It was more about I read a book on like education, or my mother would read it to me when I was young. And so when I first saw, it was like out of a Charlie Brown book, like the reproductive system. And so when I saw it, I thought, oh, the guy pees into the girl and that's how babies are made. I thought that too. I thought that too. And I thought that was so weird. I was like, so the guy like pees into a woman? I was like, you know what I'm saying? I was fucked up. That's what I thought for I think, a long time. I think what what I've noticed, and I, I don't mean to generalize or stereotype, is growing up in the South, having only predominantly white and black friends and especially like I said I'm not trying to generalize with black friends is that there's a there's this idea that there's hypersexuality within the black community like there's more openness about it and I noticed I would feel very awkward about it and I didn't know where that awkwardness came from 
And I guess it came from like a cultural standpoint because I, I didn't realize that. And then my parents' marriage is like shit. So too on top of that, there's no real communication. It's really awkward. And I guess it's only when you get older, you realize that. And I think it helps to be around people who are sexually confident and that lift you up. Because if let like I always like cuz I I remember times when I was socially awkward, didn't know how to talk to girls, never dated. And I, I like that you use that kindergarten mindset like, you know, being like let's say if you're 19 or 20 like I was and you pretty much have like the idea of what a relationship is like from like a 5-year-old's perspective, right? Because you never learn. And I think that the the best value is to learn from people who are sexually confident, who, you know, aren't going to put you down, but are going to kind of give you advice and, you know, depending what you're looking for too. Cause some guys, they're not looking for relationships. Some guys are, uh, you know, some people it's just purely about sex and that's okay. You know, but that's just my, and, you know, it's just something I've picked up. I learned my experience. Thanks Doug. Yeah. Yeah, Doug, I wanted to say something on that. Um, I've been, some of the guys here know that I've been doing a lot of recent reading about like sexuality when it came, comes to racism, where a lot of those kinds of like myths and stereotypes come up from. And there's there's actually a lot of like uh, weird, it's like air quote research. Like there's actually just a lot of like things that go back to like the 70s and 80s where like this myth that like black men are hypersexual and Asian men are uh, like undersexual is actually just a straight up like, kind of racist propaganda that got spawned back in the day. It's also where like the same, that same myth is where uh, people say that Asian penises are smaller and that black penises are larger, but like any actual like position measured study of the, the same, of the same topic completely refutes that. There's like no difference between race when it comes to either sexuality. Like there's no such thing as like a well, race having a larger like sex drive. And there's no such thing as a little race having a larger penis. That's just not how it works. If you look up the literature, and honestly, there's a there's an important thing to keep in mind. The the flip side of the sexuality part of that racist propaganda that was spread in the '80s is that it was tied inversely to your intelligence. It was saying that like uh, races that were um, like hyper intelligent tended to be less sexual, and races that were hypersexual tended to be less intelligent. Yeah, and the hyper so th- there's always that divide, and they always placed like white people in the middle somehow. There's always like the golden ratio somehow in that sort of like racist propaganda that got spread so I, I think it's kind of important to recognize like whenever we run into like stereotypes especially when it's like oh asian men have like a certain thing when it comes to sex it's like none of that's true like if you look up the actual research it's, it's just completely unfounded and even uh even when it comes to like if you talk to black guys about this sometimes they'll be like i don't want to acknowledge the black penis but sometimes because like the flip side of that is this idea that black men are dumber and i don't want to support that either right Right, right, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. It, it's, it's. Um, I think it's. I mean, from my experience growing up, I think it's just. I think some black people they perpetuate that because they see that within the media, and they kind of feel like that's how I'm supposed to be. You know, you kind of internalize it more or less, right? Whether you fit that mode or not, but like, like, like you said, I think you know, most people's sex drive is pretty, pretty normal, or, you know, you can be anybody of any race and have a hyper sex drive. It's just culturally how you express it or don't express it really. And I've noticed, you know, growing up, you know, with, it's something about with 
like I said, with I notice now within the Asian culture, it's not as openly expressed or it's expressed very differently, you know, than in Western culture. Um, I mean, you know, you just listen to R&B music, you know, or you listen to anything and it's pretty, pretty open, right? You know, you know, um, like I said, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's because it's something that a lot of black people have internalized. So they kind of feel, you know, that they have to live by that, you know? So let's, uh, let's definitely come back to this topic, uh, towards the end here, if that's okay mm-hmm. with you guys. Yeah. Wanted to jump in actually. And cause I really appreciate the conversation that's, that's happening. I do want to be mindful of the protectors that we do have here. And so if we can kind of start, you know, think about the questions that you could ask from a more personal standpoint um, to really, to really use this opportunity, this rare opportunity that we have to to be able to ask questions. So um, I actually had a a question around the uh, somewhat similar to all the topics that we're talking about in terms of, you know, how culture and society does create a certain perspective on on us and how can we how can we build up that like sexual confidence within us uh, and and not let you know other perceptions kind of tear that down right and then how can we not let that uh, so for me I, I sometimes do have kind of more feminine at least in my mind comparatively to other men like feminine traits feminine you know sort of I like cross my legs kind of you know differently so how can we um, adopt that or how can we be confident in ourselves and our sexual identity and also um, attract you know the 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 people that we want in our lives Does does that make sense I don't know if I'm really clearly asking. That makes perfect it, sense. We have to queer the world. Yes. <laughs> Basically. I feel like, yes, know yourself. Like Shosho said, know yourself, but also like let us let us start here with ourselves and our people and our communities. It's like let us accept that there are all kinds of people in all kinds of ways and all kinds of expressions, right? And like this thing that you say like feminine, it's like, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? What does that mean? Like, so you cross your legs and that's feminine. Like literally I'm sitting here with my legs open, <laughs> you know? So yeah. like, so just, yeah, que- querying just a lot. I wish we could just somehow live in a world where we could just, it, it would be okay to just be ourselves, to want what we want. And like, for example, if we're like, some of us are like asexual, fine, great. That could be sexual, uh, um, uh, healthy sexuality, also, right? Um, but it's it, it's going to take all of us together, and like having conversations like this is a beginning because this literally is culture building, right? We start to get out of the bubble of ourselves and the worry of like, am I doing this right? To like, we just start creating more spaciousness for ourselves when we open it up and share with others. And I love quote unquote feminine men. You know, I, I, I was married to one for a long time. I tend to be attracted to, to men who like kind of come off as gay 
uh, but you get to know them and they're absolutely, absolutely not gay. And, and that's just a lovely surprise. Um, but, but like, I think that, you know, how to, how to like establish your sexual confidence in whatever situation, like however your legs are crossed, how, how do you establish sexual confidence? I think it, it often can be easily done just through how you look at somebody. It's just through how you gaze at somebody and an and intensity that you can push through your eyes that can get into somebody else's eyes and travel all the way down. Mm-hmm. So that is where, um, that, that's something that, that is doable for everyone and that can be practiced and uh, is very effective. It can, it can cut across a room really fast. I, I want to add that's so beautiful, Shosho, and the ability to be able to do that is a certain comfort level with who we are. Yeah. 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 And I was going to add that, that, yeah, what Kai and Shosho both said, I totally agree with. And that part of getting to that comfortable place is doing exactly what we're doing here. Talking about the thing that you're afraid to talk about, the thing that you're ashamed to talk about. The more you talk about it, you shed light on shame and as Brene Brown says, um, shame can only exist in a petri dish in a closed closet in the dark. As soon as you start to talk about it and bring it out, then others say, yeah, me too, me too, I totally am the same. Or others say, no, I don't have that, but but I have this, what about this weird thing? Um, so I think we're doing exactly the thing that's gonna help everybody get to that place of feeling more true and more okay with themselves. And I totally agree with, um, Kai about queering sex. I always tell my my clients to queer up your sex because queer people don't have the option of just sticking a dick in a pussy. You know, they have to be really creative. And and I think hetero people actually because that's the norm, they suffer. They don't realize that there's so many sex is so big. There's so much you can do sexually. And the other thing I want to say is I also, I love gender bending. I have one partner. I dressed him up like a woman last night. (laughs) It was so hot. It's such a turn on to me to have a dude like totally in a girl's outfit and I can strap on and be a dude myself. I love that. So there's, you know, and that's what makes it really fun. It's really big. That's a big story. There's so much to do and it, it never gets bored when you're willing to step outside of our boxes. And also, I want to say that there's so many kinds of masculinity. So, so let's not put ourselves, or you guys put yourselves into, into certain kinds of boxes and force yourself to stay there. Like you create your own mat box, create your own masculinity and inhabit it completely. And then soon there will be other people who want to come into your box. Yes, because like you are a man, the thing you do is masculine, right? By virtue of the fact that you're a man. So that's why I'm like, what is feminine? What is masculine? It's not very helpful. Though so, I mean, those the things that we categorize as masculine and feminine are often not very helpful because then we feel like, oh, I should be feminine and I should be more masculine and really we should just be more ourselves. To, to me also, what something that is incredibly attractive in, in anybody is, is a contradiction. And, um, and, and the bigger the contradiction, the, the better, you know? So I really like it when, when a man seems, seems like he's feminine, but, but ends up being incredibly masculine. 
Um, and I've had like, like my, my Dom, who's no longer my Dom, he was that way as well. Like my husband met him uh, and he seemed, he, he seemed gay, but he's definitely, definitely not. And when I, when I found that out, like that contradiction, super sexy. It's amazing. So, but, but he, he owned that space. And I think that you can too. That actually well, bring, go ahead, Victor. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that because I think, yeah, we, we definitely absorb a lot of the image. I think just based on my experience again, at least I would um, be uh, or portray myself in a certain way, but for some reason there was a lack of attraction in, you know, all the, you know, the women that I, I wanted to attract or whatnot. So I think that's kind of where the, that question comes from is, you know, it, it, you, at least I would see like all the other, um, the other, the other guys attracting, you know, the women that, that, that everybody would want or whatnot. Right. And so, so then it does question, it does bring up that question within myself, like, you know, what, what am I not doing that's being attractive and whatnot? So I, I'm kind of coming from that type of angle too. Like, how do we, you know, still develop that confidence within ourselves to be uh, attractive? But yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a very good question, Victor, and a, a one that all of us, even the women have struggled with too. Like, how do we be attractive? Like, that is a very big preoccupation. And that actually is, uh, it, it fits two of our questions in the document is, how do I project an image of confidence? Well, it's much easier to project if you actually feel some level of confidence. So definitely get comfortable, like know who you are and get comfortable and maybe some self-love and compassion and acceptance and also figure out like, oh yeah, what are your strengths and what are the things that are not so, uh, what are the things that are challenging, right? Because we're complex, multifaceted human beings and we tend to just focus on the thing that our weak, the, the thing that's our weakness, but really if we can kind of take a really good, holistic, big picture view of ourselves and own our strengths and accept and learn how to manage our challenges, that's a great start. And also, not everybody's going to be attracted to us, and that's okay too, right? Well, I also think that, that if, like, um, to project an image of confidence, there are, there's lots of information on how to do that in pickup artistry. You know, so you, you can go and learn how to do that and, and project an image of confidence, but, but, but it's, a, there's a lot of fake shit in there and, and it tends to fail you when you need it most. Like, like say you, you have, you've, you've portrayed an image of confidence, but you aren't really, and you've managed to attract somebody you're really into, and then you reveal your real self. Like what happens then? There, then you, you, you lose something, you've got skin in the game and you lose something, you know? So, so to me, it's, it's, it's obviously better to not project an image of confidence and just really do the work to know yourself and you actually will be confident. Confident, confidence isn't something that you can create for yourself. You know, it isn't something that you can chase. I think that that is a, a, a mistaken idea that, Confidence happens when you do things that are too hard. You naturally become confident. Things that are too hard for you, and you do them anyway. 
and maybe you win and maybe you lose, but you still do them. That's confidence. And that shows. The other thing that's really confident is owning your nervousness, like that authentic expression, like, Hey, you know, I'm, I feel nervous approaching you, but I want to do it anyway. Right. It's like, wow, that's really confident. You know, that when you can share your vulnerability, holy crap, that's amazing confidence. That's what I you don't have to be perfect and strong and whatever the thing you think we should, you know, whatever the thing we think we should be perfect or whatever. Yeah, I would add that confidence is not a jacket that you put on. It's very much internal. It starts deep inside. And what I would suggest is find people who earn your vulnerability. Not everybody is allowed to see that deep, your underbelly, you know, your guts, but find people that have earned that right and then share your vulnerability with them. And that will be confidence building also because they will share their vulnerability with you and you and you'll realize we are all the same we are all broken we are all fucked up we are all beautiful and glorious and the more you can do that with friends that have earned that right the better yeah um i of i mean this conversation is going in so many directions and i want to take the last 10 minutes or so to answer maybe one more question for the coaches and then kind of have a couple final words because obviously this conversation is not finished. So we're going to, I'll have some directions for how to get into the next conversation. How do we continue this? So um, why don't we take one last question, coach? Does that sound good? Can I make a suggestion and um, have it be a question around the emotional aspect of relationships um, that we haven't really talked about? We've talked a lot about the sexual parts, but then what happens if you get into a relationship? How do you maintain that? And there is a question about remaining emotionally invested after sex. There's some, there's some like nice, pleasant music playing, but can we turn it off? <laughs> uh, okay, what? Why don't you go ahead and pose the question? It seems like you, you have something in mind. Well, um, I guess I want to say that that there's. Um, in, in the American culture, there is a lot of transactional uh, relationship ideas. That is that, you know, um, you're, you're, you're out there, you're, you're going to get something, and then after you're, you get it, you're done with it, and then you throw it away. And that's kind of, I think, what we want to discourage you guys from, from doing. And the way you, you don't do that kind of, kind of thing, because... because because the assumption is that you want deeper connection. You want to really be seen for who you are. You don't want to have to hide yourself. You don't want to have to be ashamed. And you want to be loved. You want to be loved for exactly who you are. Um, so, so in order to do that, we, we cannot be transactional. And, and we need to see, uh, and see partners, women, as, as real people. You know, and, and so like, this is my philosophy. Uh, I, I recommend that people sort of not see the other person as a prize to get, you know, like see that other person as a friend, your, your, your friend. It's a simple concept. It may to many seem like a step backward, but friends often treat themselves better. 
than, than partners treat themselves. They, they aren't transactional. You're, you tend to be there for your friend. You tend to not care what your friend looks like and just like them for who they are. And you can be yourself with them. We often forget in chasing relationships that, that we want them to be our friends and we want to be friends with them. Hmm. I agree. Um, I think friendship is, I, I am always encouraging my clients, especially my male clients to approach women as friends because, because of that transactional aspect, women are very uh, alert and ready to be used <laughs> and, and are kind of guard like hypersensitive. Like what's this, what does he want from me? Like, does he want me for me or does he want me for you know, my pussy or whatever I can give to him. We're, we're very sensitive to that. And one of my partners, he always approaches, he, he kind of always has a harem. And I realized the reason for that, he, his great success is that he approaches every relationship first as I really want to be your friend and I'm hot for you. And that's a, that's a hard thing to navigate, you know, like I want to be your friend and I'm hot for you. So like, that's an exercise. That's a muscle to flex. Like, how can you really totally want to be a woman's friend and also hold that you're hot for her at the same time and and be willing like to to jump into that hotness if it should open itself up to you but also willing to not have it and just keep everything as friendship it's it's not an easy thing but that's like one of the most successful things i've seen men do with me and with other women i guess i have a question which is, you know, for the person who was like, oh, I start to sort of zone out or I, how do I stay engaged? Um, and my question is, what is it that you think relationships should be? Do you think like you should be engaged? Do you think, what, what are the expectations that you may consciously or unconsciously be holding around relationships? And then my question is like, my, my, my curiosity is, well, what is the relationship that you actually want to have with this particular person? What is actually possible between you and this particular person? Maybe it's just a sort of, you know, more of a short-term thing. Maybe it's a longer-term thing, but there's something about, you know, I really like relationship anarchists. I consider myself a relationship anarchist, and that's like, I don't necessarily hold the romantic sexual relationship as the top as being on the top of the hierarchy, you know, I'm also really committed and dedicated to my friends and my family, to my the people that I that I support, and um, and I want to encourage you again to like figure out what is it that you would like in, re in a relationship. What what would you have under ideal circumstances, and then figure out what is possible between you and the person that you're with. Like, what is, what is it that you want with this person and what is it that they might want with you? And then you can figure out day to day how to navigate that and how to build upon that. And, and conversely, why do you need to remain emotionally invested after sex? Like, I, I, I don't need to. I have really enjoyed using men for sex or being used by men for sex. And I don't want to have to be emotionally invested after. Like, what a pain. Like, like I want to do what, what I want to do with the people who, who are important in that way. But that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate an experience with somebody. And, and it doesn't have to go beyond that either. 
So, but, but knowing yourself, it all comes back to knowing yourself and not feeling like forced just because you sleep with someone that you have to be emotionally invested in them. That's a lot of work, a lot of like energy. Yeah. Well, so we're coming up to the top of the hour, uh, coaches. I know we're all kind of in the flow state of this conversation. Um, and what I, I comment before we just wrap up. So if anybody wants to say anything, uh, we will be having another discussion. Uh, we will, I'll talk with the bad team about what really, know. we didn't get any further than this, but, um, do we want to take one more comment? Hey, Brandon, you've been doing a great job moderating and thank you coaches for being here. This has been a great discussion and I think you guys brought a lot of great stuff up. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Akiba. Uh, I've got a comment, Brandon, if, it's, if there's a moment for that. Yeah, please yeah, take I'm her just, away. I'm curious, you know, for the coaches, um, what they're, uh, you know, you know, the moments of there being kind of cross, cross talk and conversation amongst the, the men here. And then the moments, you know, where the questions are coming, you know, this way to the, to the panelists. I'm curious, you know, was it satisfying or engaging for you or, or did you feel there was moments? How did you like the format of this in the way in terms of, um, you know, where the, where the real, where the vitality or the gems or the magic or the flow, you know, was naturally enlivened. I'm just curious what your, how you, if you wanted to reflect as we're closing about how you like the format. I, can I just say I'm so touched by the fact that you care about our pleasure. <laughs> full circle full circle marcus oh, yeah, jedi mind tricks <laughs> that's a great that's a great frame i love that yeah it's really nice oh so i mean i guess since i'm talking thank you so much it was such a gift to be able to speak honestly and to be able to provide or like you know share the things that i've sometimes painstakingly learn over the years. And then also what an honor to be able to just kind of sit back and um, witness all of you sharing so openly and vulnerably with each other. Um, I think women, we're really lucky. We can share really intimately with one another. That's the thing that's acceptable in the society. And, and a lot of men, they're like, oh yeah, the only person that I really share is with my romantic partner. And, and I think like, you know, that's why I think men's groups are so important. Um, and I just really want to thank Brandon and Sabo for setting this up and thank all of you for sharing so openly and for kind of being open and honest with one another, because that's like super helpful and supportive. And thank you to Shosho and Dory, two radical, beautiful, wise women and who are, you know, up to like crazy things like me so it's really good to not be alone in it yeah thank you i would love to take a moment to also thank nick and victor as well as mike who's not here he's hiking in japan uh the bad team for helping all of this especially the coaches too thank you kai thank you shosho thank you dory this has been a spectacular pleasure to put together and i hope that we can get you on sometime sooner than later to continue this conversation. And with that, that's a bad rap. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It was really... Thank you. Thank you, everybody. It was really enlightening. Coming. Yay. Thank you. It was really fun.